want to believe that all of us have had a good week. Uh, the last couple of days um, have been okay for me. We've uh, continued or proceeded um, well, me and my family. And for that, we are grateful to God. Karibu um, for Bible study. Now, I it feels like a very long time before I did this. Eh? Actually, it's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Because the entire of August, I think the men were doing the the preachings and all that. And then the, this um, man, the ladies are doing um, the services. And um, um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful um, uh, time for learning and um, even um, helping each of us see things from a different perspective. Sometimes when you hear from one person, even if that person is your pastor, sometimes you kind of get to know how he thinks, what are his main emphases and stuff like that. So when you hear the same thing or hear something different from a different angle, it helps to grow a bigger and a more fuller picture. So I thought that I will proceed from um, something which we had mentioned. The last time I think I spoke with you, um, the, amongst the final things which we were talking about was the whole issue of toxic positivity in respect to faith. So basically what I've done is um, I'll pick it up from there. And then um, we will see how the whole of this thing uh, uh, goes. So if, if, if you recall, I, I use this term, you know, um, the toxic positivity to say that um, there is a misconception that uh, faith is essentially, you know, um, being positive about stuff. Okay. And... Um, for the longest time, those of us who have been in the Christian faith, there has been a way in which the whole doctrine of um, confess, uh, you know, has been uh, preached. That, uh, truth be told, has brought more confusion than 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 um, uh, than light. You know, like the Englishman would say, it has brought more heat than light. Okay. I, for one, believe that, um, especially when you're looking at the New Testament, the word confess is majorly, and please mark my words because I'm very pointed in what I say and I'm very, you know, clear in what I say. The, 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 the word confess is majorly used in respect to um, speaking concerning our sins. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a better way to say it. Confess is used more of what we call to repent. Okay? So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, he will forgive us and, you know, and all that. Confess one to another that you may be. Okay? So th th there's, a, there's an aspect of seeking forgiveness when it comes to confession. Somewhere along the way, confessing and declaring became intertwined, became one and the same word. And declaring is a very, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very different place you want to go to. When you, when you move into declaring, you're entering into a very different space. Um, one of these scriptures that is used, and Paul will do this um, on the side, and then he will uh, 
unmute himself and tell me what it is. One of the scripture that is used, now that I'm using my phone to record, I can't be able to check it. Um, it's the scripture found in Job 22 verse 28. So there are these three gentlemen who are advising, they are the friends of, um, they are the friends of Job and they are advising him. And one of them says, you shall decree a thing and it shall be established for you. Now that scripture has been used for the longest time and it has been used in a way to say all you need to do is to declare or to proclaim or to speak about a certain wish, a certain expectation okay and then god will come and establish it for you that's 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 how it's been used and nothing can be further from the truth one from a biblical perspective because and this is a this is the one that paul will admit himself and tell me where it is eh? because immediately after this man finished preaching god spoke to job concerning that man and what he said and the bible says that god told job so and so and we'll get the verse proper has not spoken from me and this is a challenge this is a challenge of scripture especially if you read scripture as uh what's the word when 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 we when we choose and when choose and pick scriptures without looking at what we call the context the context the context it's like everything i'm going to say here now if you pick one sentence you can create an impression that i was saying something which essentially is not what i was saying because it's been picked out of context there is a little joke um <laughs> of uh, some preacher who used to i think the better word uh, you know play poker with god when it comes to preaching so that it's a joke i don't think it happened exactly so the story goes that the man would you know like you know just 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 open the bible randomly and then whatever his eyes would set up he would read the scripture and preach from there so he opened the scripture randomly one time and he's on stage he's preaching and his eyes set on um, uh and a scripture that says and judas hanged himself okay So he realizes okay I don't know exactly what I'm going to say about that so he says my second reading then he closes the bible and then he opens it again and then his eyes are set on a scripture that says do ye likewise <laughs> you know? and obviously you have a totally different message you know Judas hanged himself do ye likewise you can imagine where you're headed with that my, my issue here is and this is very important for us to understand we need to read the bible and primarily first and foremost what the englishmen call our first port of call the first place you land when you read the bible is ask yourself what is the literal meaning who was being addressed literally what was happening around them in a very literal way before you move into rev- revelatory meaning because i think what we do is that we quickly jump to what we want to call as a revelatory meaning without appreciating where or who or what was being addressed in a very literal sense let me say something here 
And Paul, when you're ready, you can interject anytime. Yeah, Job 42, verse 7 says, After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry mm-hmm. with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant okay. Job has. Do you hear that? So, uh, uh, please, uh, uh, Paul, do me a favor. Check check uh, the part you shall decree a thing and can yeah. you tell us who spoke those words? Um, let me check. Okay. So, when you're ready, you can let me know. So, the, 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 man, the man mentioned here is Eliphaz and his, uh, uh, and his friends. Uh, okay. So that we appreciate something which I'm going to say here very, very clearly. Scripture it's uh it's Eliphaz, the term in uh-huh. job 22 it starts by job, job, verse one thing then eliphaz, yeah uh-huh. job 22 verse one then eliphaz the termites replied then it goes on uh it's a whole passage then comes to verse 28 uh-huh. what you decide on will be done and light will shine on your ways okay, okay. that's NIV. But uh, okay. in KJV, it normally says, you shall decree a thing and shall be So the man speaking, Paul, let me get it clear again, is a man called Eliphaz. Correct. And the man God is calling, uh, as he is talking to Job, is the same man called Eliphaz. Mm. And he is saying that, uh, please read again. Um, after the Lord had said these things to Job, that's Job 42 verse 7. He said mm-hmm. to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am mm-hmm. angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Point made. I don't think I need to say any further. Okay. Now listen to this. Listen to this, guys. It's very important. Scripture is correctly stated. I'll even go better. All, A-double-L, all scripture is correctly stated. But not all scripture is a statement of truth. Keep it at the back of your mind. When you have free time, and some of you here, I know you like going into deep Bible study, you know, situations. One of the most argued scripture, which is also a very fundamental scripture in the Bible, Probably the most fundamental scripture in the Bible is found in Timothy and Paul, you'll get it for me, where it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, that is King James. I believe that's King James. You you, you check it for me again. The NIV, which is supposed to be a very um, 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 good translation, says all scripture is God breathed or breathed, okay? And theologians, and you will do this in your free time, you will find the arguments are here too so far. Theologians have argued, how should that scripture read? Follow me. Is all scripture given by, keyword B-Y, by inspiration? That word by means by permission, okay? Is all scripture given and it's sanctioned or permitted by God, or is all scripture God-breathed? The part which I find myself more agreeable to is the part, the, the side that says, all scripture is given by inspiration. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for instruction, for righteousness, and all that, that the man of God may be, and then it continues. Why do I say that? Because, and I'll come back to the same thing which I said, I said earlier. I said, all scripture, got it, Paul? Okay. He will. Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is God breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Correct. Paul using NIV. Yes, that is NIV. Okay. Can you do King James? And maybe a few others. Eh? Just just for the sake of. Um, making this a bible study proper it's always good that we have um, as much uh, school of thoughts as possible let me come again because i know all of you i don't need to lose the train of thought i'm saying when we say all scripture is god breathed or god breathed okay then we run into a challenge for example where we find in scripture places situations where the devil spoke and it has a chapter and a verse. So the question then becomes, is that the voice of God? You have a situation where Eliphaz spoke. You shall decree a thing, it shall be established for you. Then God later corrected him actually angrily. And he said, he hasn't spoken from me. So should we say then that all scripture is God breathed or should we say it was permitted? Okay? God God allowed it to be there. It doesn't have to necessarily be a statement of truth, but it was permitted to be there for a reason. In other words, it is profitable. The same way you can learn from something which is wrong. There is a scripture and Paul will get it. Today Paul will do a lot of work. Um, in the book of Corinthians, it says all these things happened to the Israelites for our examples and they were written so that we do not last after evil things like they lasted. So you can learn from what they went through. It was only written so that we can educate ourselves from the wrong things which they did. Not do what they did. So it is profitable in that sense. Let me come again to what I was saying earlier. I was saying, all scripture is given, sorry, all scripture is correctly stated. So when an ungodly king spoke, it was written. Okay? When the devil spoke in Isaiah 14, I will arise. Hear this. I will, I will be like the most high God. I will build my throne above the stars of God. Do you know you can't quote that scripture on yourself? Do you know you can't go tell people, I will build my, my throne above the stars of God? Because what, what you're saying essentially is that I'm going to become, in fact, it ends by saying, I will be like the most high God. That's the devil speaking. It's correctly stated question, but is it a statement of truth? Okay. Just like me saying, for example, my wife is here. So I tell Rista, uh, all dogs, okay? All dogs have um, three eyes, okay? Something as ridiculous as that, okay? I tell Rista. Then Rista goes and tells Stacy, uh, Dad said all dogs have three eyes. 
Did my wife correctly state what I said? True. That's exactly what I said. But is that statement a statement of truth? And and this is a catch. And I'm going back to chapter 3 verse 16 of Timothy where I'm saying the biggest conversation around what you may call the um fidelity of scripture. I don't, I don't think that there there has to be a, a bigger one. How the infallibility of scripture is do we treat scripture as god breathed or god breathed or do we treat scripture as permitted so god allowed people to speak and it was put there okay so in the process of time we can be able to say this is what this guy said okay but he didn't speak the correct thing but we can learn from it how many ungodly prophets spoke how many backslidden men of god in bible spoke okay and god came and corrected it later imagine if you went and chose and picked that statement without having what i'm calling the context the global outlook having the um having an overview and that's why nobody calling himself a teacher of the world should teach the world before primarily first and foremost telling people what is a literal meaning who who was being addressed why were they being addressed that way what was the prevailing situations there okay then we can begin to take what was said and said how can it be applied what you call revelation how can it be applied in our own situations this idea of jumping in scriptures and quickly translating them into revelations i tell you it's taking us to the to the to the to the to the pit we need to know the word of god in a holistic way in other fact we need to do a couple of things and i'm sorry I'm, i need to be talking about faith but i'm, I'm straying too far we need to when we get to scripture we need to find out the context that's number one what you call scripture okay vis-a-vis the context number two we need to find out scripture vis-a-vis the principle what you call the application number three we need to find out scripture vis-a-vis the personality why is it that paul writes in a particular way emphasizes in a particular way it has something to do with the fact that paul is an individual a, a whole human being who has gone through school has gone through certain exposures had in certain traumas probably because he is not married he has a certain bias when it comes to a certain thing so he 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 may not emphasize something as strong for example as peter would peter talks about encouragement a lot why peter got a lot of encouragement actually he is called the son of you know he, he, jesus told him when you are converted strengthen the brethren There's something about Peter and restoring people. There's something about Peter and his ability to just help people who are down. That you don't see that very strong with Paul. Okay? There's something about Paul that is so academic, that is so beautiful and so intellectual. Why? That is his exposure. So, we need to be able to appreciate for example, when we are reading the scriptures, the scriptures were written within a certain context called the Jewish culture and customs. Okay? So, for example, if the Jewish culture was so paternalistic, meaning that they were a very paternal society, you know, uh, they say that when a Jew woke up, a man, a Jewish man woke up, he thanked God, number one, that he wasn't born a Gentile. Okay? 
because it was a badge of honor to be called a Jew. You, are a, you, you belong to the welfare of God's people. Okay, the next thing that a Jew thanked God for is that he wasn't born a woman. I mean, as horrible as that may sound, but that was a paternistic society where only men were counted even when it came to uh, what you call census. Have you ever wondered, even in the New Testament, the Bible says there were 5,000 men not counting the women and children. I mean, it's like the women and the children are part of the background. Okay? So, so the, we have to be able to dichotomize between scripture or the word of God and Jewish culture. For example, when he talks about the women covering themselves, what does Paul say in the next verse? He says, if anybody wants to argue or to disagree, I'm paraphrasing it, let them know we don't have any other custom. That's what he uses when he's speaking about head or whatever. Up to today, in the Palestine region, you find women are always covering their, 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 their head. Sorry, their hair, you know, with, 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 a, with a head, you know, um, uh, um, um, scarf. Okay? He says, we don't have any other customs. So when you preach, for example, custom like Revelation, you have a problem. Number, number, I don't know which number it is, maybe number four. Whenever we preach, whenever we teach the word of God, we have to know that revelation is not what you may call, um, it's not, okay, let me rephrase. Revelation is limited to a particular group of people, number one, excuse me, and number two, to a particular period of time. Doctrine is not limited. So, for example, I say, you must be born again. That is doctrine. You say that with the same authority in India as you would say in Africa. You must be born again. You say that in this, with the same intensity in America as you would say in Australia. It doesn't change. But when we enter into what you call revelation, revelation is something that is revealed. Almost always, revelations are limited to certain people so you find that revelation is for a particular church a particular country let me give a good example can you talk about dressing you know and mostly dressing almost always sings towards the women eh? can you talk about modesty in dressing as a revelation because that's a revelation with the same authority in india as you would in africa you can't you can't you know, part of their culture, women leave their mid-region open and nobody is stumbled. Nobody has a problem. Okay? In matter of fact, if you left Nairobi right now, if you came from the city Nairobi right now and you went to some parts of Pokot, okay? Or you went to some parts of Taita regions, okay? And I think my wife at one time, they went to preach in some parts many, many years ago in some parts of uh, Taita region. And the women were literally, you know, um, uh, exposed on the upper region. And nobody seems to be too troubled. Okay? In other words, this is a revelation. You cannot speak with the same authority one place as another. But doctrine is global. Doctrine, when you speak doctrine, it is spoken with the same authority and fervency the same way across board. And that's one of the things which we have to be very careful about. A lot of people good people, good well-meaning people, church, are speaking doctrine like, sorry, are speaking revelation as if it's doctrine. Okay? If a person tells you give your all, take all that you have, finances, for example, give your all, that is not doctrine. 
That's a revelation. That's a revelation. Doctrine is let every man give as he purposeth in his heart. That's it. That's doctrine. Revelation can be Abraham, yes, take your son, yes, your only son, the one you love most, and sacrifice him in one of the mountains I will show you. You never give your all, what you call sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving must emanate from a direct voice from God. Why? Doctrine in scripture, when it comes to giving, it cuts across so many. The same God who tells you to give your tithe and to give your offerings also tells you to take care of your family, also tells you to enjoy or take care of yourself, also tells you that you may be able to, you know, abound in good works to other people around you. You follow, to give to the poor. So in other words, giving is not limited to one area. But in case it was a revelation, Okay, so God says, okay, take that your cow, take that your whatever. It's sacrificial. You better must have heard from God clearly. Very, very clearly. Okay? If not, give as you have purposed in your heart. That's it. That's, that's doctrine. Okay? So, uh, I don't want to lose too much of where I was headed, but it is important that we, we appreciate that scripture must be dealt with a lot of carefulness. And I want to repeat what I said earlier. Scripture is correctly stated. But not all scripture is a statement of truth. You cannot take Judas hang himself and make it a doctrine. You, you, you follow? Let me, give you, let, let me give you a context. Let me give you a context. Please allow me to give you a context. You must have read in the early church, there was this very interesting economic, um, you know, these days we're talking of uh, wheelbarrow economics or wheelbarrow nomics. Eh? They had this economics where people sold their homes, sold their land, they brought everything to the apostles' feet. Now follow me closely. If you're reading chapter 2, it starts in chapter 3, I believe. If you're in chapter 3, and the disciples were in one place, they were praying, they were fellowshipping, and they, chapter 4 is the one that says this. It says, and they had all things common. They had this commonwealth, solidarity, socialist kind of a way of doing things. Okay? They had this social structure whereby people sold their homes, sold their properties, and came and gave to the apostles' feet. Now, chapter 4, chapter 5 looks fantastic. Then you go to chapter 6. I mean, the book of Acts. In chapter 6, because these guys were receiving all these resources and then they were distributing them to many people who had needs. When you go to chapter 6, you have a problem because it begins by saying that there arose a murmuring amongst the Grecian Jews because they were being overlooked in the distribution of food. That tells you something. Mumeuza biashara zenyu. Mumeuza biashara bad move. You have sold your property to come and stay in church. For a while, the church will do well. But how long before you deplete? If one guy by the name of Peter goes out one day and 3,000 people get saved, try and feed 3,000 people. Okay? He goes another day. This is chapter 3. You go, he goes out another day. That's chapter 2. Ch chapter 3. He goes out and meets some guy who is putting some gate in the temple 
and then you know the man gets healed people gather he preaches 5000 gets it try and feed 5000 and tell me how long it will take before you deplete your resources if you don't read scripture in context you will not see something there by the time you are reaching chapter 15 there is a call by the apostles that people need to go out there and look let me give you the scripture it says look for arms arms a l m s it's an english word for misada that is money you look for people who are completely deprived and then they say for the poor saints of jerusalem when you have time underlining it how did they become persons of jerusalem you stop working what do you expect that's bad principle but people quote it like if it's a good thing which they did we can't we can't sell our businesses and go and live in the church we can't sell what we are doing and the point i'm putting here is that read the scriptures in its context follow through follow through let me give you an example uh, and i know oh, I'm supposed to talk about faith so paul is addressing an issue of a man in the bible who has been living with his father's mistress okay i don't know which one was more worse uh, that a father had a mistress or uh, the man was um, the son was living with you know was you know taking advantage of the mistress but either way paul says look th th this is grievous harm how can you sleep with your mother how can you do this this is so wrong i mean this is so wrong then paul says when you people gather and my spirit is with you i want you to miscommunicate that person reject him cast him out actually the word used is that term, cast him out to the devil just cast him out so that he may be punished and his soul will be saved i'm paraphrasing okay if you stop there you'll have a problem because you now need to come from first corinthians and go to second corinthians and paul realizes something is amiss he says that brother you need to receive him back very quickly lest satan takes advantage of us lest this man is overtaken by overmuch sorrow you know, get overmuch not just sorrow this man we are about to break a man completely here the damage will become total here it's about time now you went back and restored him to the faith because uh, restored him to the fellowship because he, he this is about to become now nasty in other words you need to read the whole context today we cast people out to satan you know and 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 it probably it's okay maybe, maybe they who knows maybe they deserve to be miscommunicated okay but there has to always be that of a bearing of a racking you know kind of a spiritual awareness that some of these dynamics can change in the process of time nothing is cast in stone nothing is cast in stone so i i, I had to say that because it is important that we 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 we, we get it correctly so when i was talking about toxic positivity if sorry i this is where we started can you imagine how far we've gone um i was saying making confessions that are positive does not in and of itself mean that god is going to in any case if you have to take that scripture which paul was quoting for us earlier in the book of job 22 
We have authority in Christ, not over Christ. Check, check the scriptures. Check Ephesians chapter 1. We have authority in him. Ndaniyake, kwa kiswahili, eh? We have authority in Christ, not over Christ. God does not come to establish our wish. We align ourselves with his wish. We don't do our little project and then call him to come and establish it. God, whatever is his purpose, he funds it. Whatever is his purpose, he supports it. But we cannot ask God to bless what he never started. We can't ask God to finance what he never ordered. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I order a meal and then I ask God to... No, no. It's, it's, it's that simple. We have authority in Christ, not over Christ. Confession should never be and what you call declaration, which, which I said, you know, declaration and confession has become, you know, so intertwined these days, you can't. And for me, I believe confession, you look in scripture and you see it, it's very clear there. It has a lot to do with forgiveness or seeking, speaking about our, the, the things which you've done wrong and seeking God for his own, you know, mercies and forgiveness. Okay. We have to be careful that uh, we do not make God look like our servant. You know, and, and uh, you know, our sister Sally spoke extremely well on Thursday about the Lordship of Christ. I mean, very, very, very powerfully. You know, uh, there's somebody who said that he is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Okay, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. I like one man of God. He's a Nigerian preacher. He said something very powerful on that issue. He said, "The gold you cannot give to God has become your God." What he was trying to say. Uh, you know, because I don't think, uh, you know, you know, if, if you just pick that statement, you may fail to get the context. This wasn't in the context of giving. He was saying, if there is something in your life, it can be a family, it can be your health, it can be a, it can be a job, it can be whatever it is that you can never commit to God. Okay, if there's anything about you that you can't commit to God, then that thing has become your God. Okay, so so it's it's completely outside of um you know he wasn't speaking about uh, you know offering no he was simply saying the gold you cannot give the very important things that you cannot you cannot hand over and say Lord I hand over my children or I hand over my body I hand over whatever it is you know I hand over my education to you the career to you okay uh, guide me lead me show me shine your light let me see what what do i need to do how do i need to go about it the gold you cannot give has become your god and i and i agree with you. so toxic positivity is this very reckless way and simplistic and for the better word is reductionistic way of looking at things in a very simplified way that all i need to do is to is to tell somebody uh, and your heart has been said it shall be well and most of us, if not all of us, are guilty of telling people things like that. So when, when, when you tell somebody it shall be well, have you factored that they could be operating a wrong principle? So for example, scripture says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and the poverty will strike. Do you know there is no amount of confession you can squeeze between folding your hands, a little sleep, that is going to stop poverty from coming. It's, it's that simple. 
there's a very good article today in the dailies about uh, praying for the nation and how it is being used to pacify the populace so that the, the populace don't see where responsibility lies so we are very busy being told these are three days of prayer and fasting for the nation we are praying and fasting for the nation without holding to account the leadership for messing up an economy what difference will it make if tomorrow our people continue taking debts and stealing you know those monies it doesn't matter if we pray until kingdom come prayer will not substitute principle and i repeat again and i know you may not like me for saying it prayer is not a simplistic way of substituting principle so you go and tell somebody it shall be well then they sleep and do nothing they sleep do nothing don't read a book don't wake up and go to something i mean i just came from telling mr kemboy that i've been uh, you know very serious about my exercising and all that and i'm very serious about it to be very honest okay it's painful it's a painful process but i'm 50 now plus and i can tell you i need to do this i, I mean i need to do it i can feel it in my body i need to do this moving forward in a very serious way why because i can't sit back here in a house in the house in a, in a very good uh, comfortable seat here lounge here and say it shall be well it shall be well how the same bible says that physical exercise profits how do you want to go around the principle okay circumvent principle by confession these are the things that have put us in the kind of manure we find ourselves in every time Okay. So people who just say things because they sound in fact the better word in English is flattery. That's not confession. That's not declaration. That is you're flattering somebody. You are telling them exactly what they want to hear. For example, marriages are hard. Nobody in his right mind who is married will tell you that living with another human being from a very different background with different experiences, different exposures, different uh, you know uh, uh, set of parenting and, and 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 the list goes on it's 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 a walk in the park it's a walk in the park you you have opportunities for disagreement every single day every single day so what do people do people work at it and people work at it constantly 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 i was making a joke to somebody who could be listening right now you know um and we're just talking and i was saying that um, there's a joke that goes um, that a good a good wife or gives her husband when she is wrong <laughs> you may get a joke later you know uh, that a good wife forgives the husband when she is wrong it's basically a joke but the point here is that there are times when people just swallow hard and say i married this person the good the bad i married this person i'm going to live with my choices and i'm going to make do what i can change i will i will just try to outlive it not grow it okay now there is no amount of you know what are they use in english you know when you when you when you when you flash that um, magical word eh, or word eh, you know there is no amount of 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 flashing a magical word that is going to make relationships easy you get i mean so when it comes to wedding days you know i i really try to put a serious face you know because i can tell i don't want somebody to walk in into this walk in to this gen without knowing this can actually be the end of your being sin if you take it wrong i mean this could be the beginning to the end of everything that you build so hard if you don't get the mix correctly okay and so we tell people look i mean think through this 
These are choices, probably the most important choice you have ever made after salvation. This is how serious it is. And you have to be ready to say, I'm going to live with this person and I'm going to try and do whatever I have to do to make do with whatever situations that come my way. The point I'm putting here is there is no amount of simplistic confessions or declarations, whichever one you call it, that is going to change that. It's not going to change. Those are toxic positivities. So you just want to say something, you know, you know, let, let the poor say they are rich. My friend, if your head is aching, if you have a headache, and you say you don't have a headache, or you say, or you say your head is not aching, the head will continue aching. You can do this. Let me advise. You can go and see a doctor, or you can go to the chemist and can, you can buy some paracetamol. And you can take the paracetamol and you can drink some water. Or maybe you can even say, I think I'm tired. Uh, it, I, I need a just, I need a bit of a rest. And then you can say it shall be well. But you cannot say it shall be well and do nothing. You, you, you follow? You cannot say it shall be well and do nothing. I know we are recording and I should not be saying things of a personal nature. But let me just say this and I'll try to stick on the periphery. One of the things which I, my, my, my late dad had some amazing qualities. But one of the things which I faulted him for, faulted him throughout for, and I kept telling my wife, and she's here, she's listening, that I will never want to go that way, is the idea of looking at a future, okay? Looking at a future and believing that hope is a strategy that Let's just sit somewhere and hope. Okay? And I've always said that hope is a very good attitude or posture, but hope cannot be a strategy. Truth be told, and I'm speaking to people who are almost near my age and probably my age. Truth be told, where you are headed and where I'm headed would be a bit difficult. You're no longer young. You know, I wasn't wearing specs. I'm wearing specs now. I have fought very hard. Thank God for people like um, Linda who looked me on the face and kept saying, good luck. We'll see how far you can go. But that is reality. You you realize you are not as, you know, you can't, you have slowed down on a few things, granted. Where your head requires a plan, I repeat, a plan. When people do retirement packages, you sit someone, you say, how am I, if I'm unable to work, if I'm unable to do what I do, how am I going to live? You cannot relegate that to hope. And then you call it faith. No, 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 no. Let me say this, and I'll try to finish. You build trusts before you need it. I'll say that again. You build trust before you need it. And I heard this on TV the other day. When Mr. Kagame, the president of Rwanda, told the people to obey COVID rules, same rules Kenyans have been told and disobeying left, right, and center, the Rwandese obeyed to the last man. Why? They have built trust over time with their leadership and government. Here we have a government in Kenya that is giving us rules to obey. Okay? 
but their track record, their deposits of trust, it's it's like a broken record. Okay, people look at them and they say, but, but they said this and then they did this. They said this and this. you can't expect people to trust you now when previously you had no track record of trust, and it's the same with life. God rarely provides at the point of need. God provides before a need arises. So some of you who are facing 50, some of you who are facing maybe 60 moving forward, I mean, let no one deceive you, it shall be well. It shall be well because you put in place, you cooperate, we cooperate with God. Do our best and then make the confession. Do our best and say me, <laughs> I've done what I need to do. I think I've put in place all the right, you know, you know I, I like what um, one great um, explorer and conqueror said. He said that fortune uh, favors the most prepared. You know, fortune or good luck favors the most prepared. It's just like that. So put it very simply, guys, that every of our confession or declaration should be anchored on God's voice or anchored on a principle, what I have done, then I can say, it shall be well, okay? Because I have done this, I have done the other, according to what God has asked me to do, and in the process, I can sit back and say, it shall be well, as a way to substitute or circumvent or replace necessary activity, nothing will be well. You know, those days, allow me to say this in finishing, you know, we were told we need to pray for the nation and we need to pray for the president and all that. And I believe prayer for the nation is an important thing, but I think we need to change what we pray for the nation. I think moving forward in an election year, maybe my prayer for the nation would be Help us to know, help us to see, create in us what it takes to do what we have to do as individuals, to exploit the opportunities that are available. Because sometimes, sometimes when we direct our prayer to people who are hell-bent on not changing, we can ask God to change them, we can ask God to put in place the measures and you know for them to change. But ultimately and inevitably at the end of the day, the person who needs to change most and the one you can change easiest is yourself. Okay? Is ourselves. So I'm looking at the time here and I've already taken 45 minutes and I think uh, I will hand over back to Paul. Uh, I had the purpose to talk on a couple of other things to do with faith, but I think um, so far uh, that would be a good place as any to stop then you can all think about that Timothy 3.16 is all scripture, A-double-L, all scripture God breathed, okay? Or should we say all scripture is given by inspiration? Um, do we fault, for example, the translators of scriptures for using the word all, A-double-L, when ideally the right word which should have been used in translation was many or most, okay? 
I'll give you a very good example. Food for thought. It's Bible study. Sometimes it's good to go to Kidogo. Food for thought. The love of money, you know how it ends, is the root of all evil. Is that even practical? In a practical sense, is that true? Every time somebody kills, which is an evil, is it because of money? Every time somebody rapes, is it because of money? You follow? So, 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 some other versions try to correct it and say all kinds of evil. So Jesus entered Jerusalem and all the people came to meet him and they put their clothes on the wayside and they, they had palm branches and then Jesus entered Jerusalem and found the people selling in the synagogue. Okay, if all the people went to meet him, who are these people who are in this? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, sometimes it's good that we kind of exercise our minds a little and say, could this be what you call an extremity in terms of um, when somebody looks at them, um, you know, you know, it's 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 a, a translational issue where you the word many almost always is used for the word all. Okay. Because even in a practical sense, we all agree, it's not every time somebody commits an evil, it is because of money. It could be all kinds of evil, you know, it could be most evil, you know, but uh, obviously it cannot be all evil. So we have issues here, and that's one I'm mentioning, eh? you know, that all scripture, all scripture is given by King James, which I think it's a good translation because it gives us that aspect that I'm, um, even if it is not God who spoke that issue, you know, you can learn from it, okay? And I think Paul, you're supposed to get me a scripture now that I have remembered. Uh, it's supposed to be what? Chapter 10, someplace of the Corinthians? Yes. Um, I put them here on the chat box. It's First Corinthians 10, 11. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Okay, let me let, 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 let me rephrase. Let, let, let me say it again. All these things happen for our examples and were written. Finish for, for our admonition. Admonition meaning. The okay, uh, then read on. It says. <laughs> um, I just took that. You only got that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the next one talks about so that we do not last after evil things like they did. Yes, 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 it says that. Um, right. Let me just uh, in verse in, in King James. Mm. It's, uh, it says, uh, All these things happen unto them. That's in King, King James for examples. And they are written for admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, mm -hmm. let him that thinketh he standeth, let Take heed lest he falls. Mama. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, the verse, the verse before that. Um. Neither Mama ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Mm -hmm. So neither Mama as they did. All things were written for our examples. If you follow, so we have been told what not to do, and by doing what they did, what are the expected ramifications or consequences? 
you, you follow what I'm saying? Okay. So, in other words, there are things that God has permitted which are not not exactly His will. Okay, but it is God's way of saying, look, these people did these things, and I I permitted that they be written that you guys can see. If you go this way of murmuring and complaining, this is what you're going to hurt. Okay, okay. The other things which I mentioned, which I thought are very important, and I just want to give it a second uh, emphasis, is that um, when you're looking at scripture, isolate personality, isolate culture, isolate revelation. There are things which were said to a particular people. Okay, so the other day we we're making some. Um, some jokes, or I don't know if it was some one of the services, eh? Sunday services, we were just um, having a light-hearted moment about scriptures, which are always um, quite, um, you know, um, interesting. And um, there was one where it's Isaiah 20, it talks about God spoke to Isaiah, oh, yeah, and he told him to remove his clothes. You know, now that revelation, it's strictly for Isaiah. <laughs> Okay, it's strictly for Isaiah. You know, we don't quote that one and say, Isaiah chapter 20, because essentially he was sold to go to the marketplace. Okay, there's some guy in the Bible who married a prostitute. I mean, now that's a revelation, my friend. You do not go that direction and say, Siata Nani Aliandua Ibo. That's what I'm saying. You need to identify that um, doctrine is the standard. What you call established truth. Eh? Doctrine is a standard. Revelation is restricted or limited to a period of time and to a certain group of people. It could be a person or people for a while. For a while. Okay. So you cannot you cannot um, give it what you may call a global outlook or, or share it with um, a certain you know, um, emphasy or fervency or a certain measure of um, uh, uh, authority in the same manner from one place to another. I had a friend and uh, my wife knows that guy. He's a very, very good man of God. He was one of those people who, you know, um, and those were very many years ago, you know, he had all these uh, very um, uh, fundamentalist kind of um, doctrine on uh, women dressing and um, and um, people need to dress very modestly and stuff like that. And we've all come from some place where we thought that maybe, um, you know, you know, our view is a correct one. So he travels to France to preach. You know the guy, Martin Dumo, Martin Dumo. Okay, shoot, Martin Dumo. So Martin, Martin went to to France to preach, and he entered church. <laughs> and when he came back, he didn't tell us what he saw. He told us that um, from the airport. Forget about inside church, from the airport, every woman looked saved compared to what he saw in France. <laughs> okay, forget about church. I mean, from the airport, he was saying, everybody looks so saved. They are dressed so modestly. I mean, you know, sometimes if you don't eat food outside your locality, you think your mother's food is the best. Huh? Sometimes you need to move out a little and realize how things are so different, how people look at things so and realize how difficult it would be to transplant your beliefs in a certain environment in the same exactitude. You realize how difficult that is going to be. That is going to be. Okay? So,
So one day, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, a couple of years ago, so I have this friend of mine, he's a very nice Kikuyu guy. So he tells me he wants me to preach in their fellowship. So I said, it's okay, I'll, I'll come over. So the fellowship is someplace in satellite, Apo Kawangwara, you're in satellite, Tuko. Akash knows satellite very well. So I arrive here at this, I arrive at the fellowship, and guess what? It is a Mokorino fellowship. I mean, it's Mokorino proper fellowship. And I tell you, everything about how you're going to preach changes. You, you, you understand? I mean, I cannot talk the same way. I cannot emphasize the same thing. I may, I may target the same area of faith, but I have to be able to move into a level which they'll be able to appreciate it. These things keep changing all the time. They keep changing all the time because revelation is for, it, it's restricted to a group of people. So once again, uh, Paul, Thank you. God bless you, good people, and enjoy the remainder of your day.